0: The idea of job security is outdated as a landline. If you haven't been in a search for a while, it's probable you will at some point, by choice or not. Most executives admit to staying way too long or sense what's coming and justify staying anyway. Here, there's another reason. The faulty belief that navigating to what's next will inevitably be worse and has to suck. Screw that. Lauren Greif has spent a lifetime in corporate and executive search, calling bullshit on stale career advice that most still use. This is Career Blast in a Half, the career podcast for executives ready to cut past outdated career advice to fuel your outcomes now. So let's go.
1: This is episode nine of Career Blast in a Half, and I am with this woman. Who I, I mean, she's like the OG badass. And everything about her, it's like one of those people that before you know her, you just know that you want to have coffee with her. I'm talking about Julie Brown from This Shit Works. And Julie Brown is a fabulous woman, keynote speaker, author, podcast guest. But most important to me is the way that she has demystified and also debunked a lot of that bull crap shit around networking and just all of the bad ideas about what it does and what it's supposed to do and what you're supposed to do and makes it fun and accessible. Julie Brown, big ass fan of all that you do. And thank you for being here.
2: Thanks for having me. I'm super excited to talk about this episode number nine. Awesome. I mean, the single digits. I'm an early podcast guest. I love it.
1: You're on the the single digits. And we're going to talk today about networking your way into more influence. And I would love you to share your, you know, down and dirty, because that's the way you roll, backstory about how you got into networking. Like, why has networking, I mean, I know you're a business development person as well, but those two things are kind of partners in crime, right? And so why did networking become your thing? And when did the light bulb go off for you and say, oh, oh, my, like, this is what I want to do.
2: So it happened in a couple of different steps. I, for background purposes, I was a marketing and business development director in architecture, engineering and construction industry. Here in Boston, where I live, a very big industry in Boston, especially college and university architecture and construction. And that's what I specialized in business development for. And Mm -hmm. what I realized is I was, when I was in that role, I realized that I was very good at bringing in work based on the strength of my relationships and information. So information was king as far as like what schools are doing what, when are they doing it? how can i position myself for that job how do i network my way into that school um into the right people to talk to so that was part of the reason i was very good at my job based on the strength of my relationships in 2010 my husband who is an architect had been working at a practice for 12 years a practice in which he didn't have to build relationships at all he was inside designing homes inside the practice and he decided he was going to start his own business and for anybody who doesn't remember 2010 We were still at the bottom of the economy. The architecture, engineering, and construction industry, because of the subprime mortgage collapse, which caused the Great Recession, there was 55% unemployment in the AEC industry at the time. So to quit your job and start a practice during this time, some might call it foolish. I don't know. I said, if we can make it now, we'll make it whenever. We'll make it in any circumstances. And so what I started doing was calling people in my network. People who had no idea who my husband was. They knew me professionally and they didn't know Chris. Saying, my husband's starting his own practice. Do you know anybody who might need an architect? And I just did this over and over and over again. And my husband had his first job before he quit his job. So then I was like, okay, we got to quit the job. We got to incorporate the business. We got to get the papers. But he already had the work lined up. And that was the true light bulb moment. I had known I was good at bringing in work based off of relationships. I, I was that good, and then I realized it wasn't just because I was good at it. It was because people trusted me and they wanted me to succeed. They wanted, and that translated into Chris. Like the good feelings towards me and the desire to be invested in my success translated to him. And that was my light bulb moment where I said, I want to teach people how to do this. But I, you know, we had just, he had just quit his job to start the practice. So I just built my network. I continued to build my network for another six years, strengthening my network. And then six years after he quit his job and started his practice, I started my practice. But that's not exactly how I started teaching people how to network. I became a consultant. And I said, I'm going to do business development consulting for firms who Don't have enough resources, i.e., money to hire a full time BD person. So I networked my way into five non competing clients. I quit my job and had five clients signed up for yearly contracts for at day one, which was another thing. I could quit my job and make the same exact salary on day one of my new company. But then I started getting asked by organizations to come in and talk about how I did what I did, how I networked myself into. Corporations to get work, how I networked my way into lead generation. And that was when I started teaching networking. So I didn't go, I didn't start my company to teach networking. I did it to do it for companies, not to teach it, but it quickly evolved into me teaching networking. And then that, you know, that turned into a speaking career, turned into
1: writing the book, and then turned into starting the podcast. Right. Okay. So. Like so many of us, it just didn't happen like on day one, right? It made its way, it had an evolution, and now you're here. And now you teach this and you are wildly successful in helping people move past a lot of the common roadblocks that prevent us from networking, which is kind of interesting because we want the influence or we want to have the impact or we want to be the leaders, but then we're scared to network. So what are those things that we, you know like immediately get in the way and how have you been able to show people the ways to remove those roadblocks because everybody's like, oh my God, if only, if only, if only, and that's what you do.
2: Yeah, I think the biggest question and or statement I get from people that holds people back from networking is why me? And this why me statement, it rears its head in a lot of different ways. It's why would anybody want to talk to me? Why should I go to this event? Why would I be capable of sitting on this board? Why would anybody want to, you know, talk to me about this or refer me or give me a strategic introduction? That why me statement holds a lot of people back. I thought, believe me, I fell prey to that too. When I started my own company, I was like, why would anybody want to hire me? And even now, as a keynote speaker, I'm like, I can't believe they hired me to go on that stage in front of thousands of people. Like, why would they pick me? You know, it you that why me statement holds so many people back because it's obviously an easy excuse to not go into rooms where you might feel uncomfortable or push your boundaries. The truth is. You never know what you can offer somebody that you meet until you talk to them and figure out, you know, all of the different ways you are connected and all of the different ways that you might be helpful to them. So the why me statement, you have to almost turn it on its head and say, why not me? In my big, beautiful, I'm 47 years old, in my big, beautiful, messy life, I've gone through so many things and those things that I've dealt with could help other people. The the knowledge that I have, the things that I've been through, the way I can coach people, and the way I could help somebody
1: just be a listening ear to somebody. Why not me? So, that's a a, a really interesting starting point because that one often in my experience follows after people have already given themselves permission to not do the thing, which is, I'm an introvert. I don't know anybody at this event, whatever those excuses are. And then it eventually prevents them from getting what they want, which let's go back to the topic, which is more influence. And why does networking, why is that like the secret sauce to influence? Because Some people maybe back in the day would argue, well, you know, I have this pedigree and that holds a lot of influence, right? So share with us why networking kind of trumps that.
0: Yeah.
1: I'm going to answer this question in two
2: ways. The first answer is being really good at your job is a barrier to entry. Congratulations. Everybody else is good at the job too. Now, how are you going to set yourself apart? So the second answer to that, to that question is networking and relationships creates competitive advantage in business and career full stop like that is the truth and i i'm sorry if that rubs people the wrong way because i know that people go to school for years and years and years to have that pedigree to say i am an expert in this but everybody else who sat in that class with you can say that too so now it's your relationships that are going to set you apart from everybody else: It's what I and mean, you know this because you you help people do this. this hidden market, this hidden job market being found, you know, 75, 75, 76 percent of jobs aren't advertised. So if you are looking for your dream career, your dream position, unless you are going to make it yourself, like you and I did, unless you were going to start your own company,
1: it is the networking that creates a competitive advantage, full stop. Absolutely. And I think that the thing that you said is that the cost of entry, and this also comes in, I hear this a lot, right? I have 20 years of experience. Well, guess what? So does everybody else at that level, right? Like, please do not anchor your value proposition on your years of experience. I know that it's tempting because it sounds like, ooh, I'm so experienced, but coming at it from the person who is, quote unquote, the buyer, that's all they're hearing. They're hearing that over and over and over again. So when you say that it's a key point of difference, a full stop, I mean, just the way nobody can see your bank account, how do people really know what's underneath this thing called your network? How do people know that you're connected and that really is a true point of difference? Right. The thing about networks is
2: that... They are so important in so many different ways. Yes, you're going to increase your influence. You're going to increase your success, your bottom line. When you have a team of people invested in your success, like when I think about when new people come to me that want to work with me, I always ask, well, where did you, how did you hear about me? Where did you hear about me? And inevitably, people will say, well, I asked three people and they all said you. Like that is what your network does for you. Your network says your name in a room full of opportunities. And I know how hard it is to be everywhere all the time. You just can't. It's not possible. But your network can work for you all the time. And this is not self-serving. This is not like, oh, it's only your network working for you. You have to invest in your network. You have to be doing that, too. You need to be saying the names of people in your network for, you know, when opportunities arise. Making strategic introductions and checking in on them when things happen in their life. And if you haven't heard from them a while, say, I haven't heard from you. Is everything okay? Like networking allows you to get business where geography doesn't matter because they are out there
1: for you doing the work just as you should be doing it for them. Mm, I love that. I love that visual so much. And to be honest, that is our story. That is our story, like our story. <laughs> we have a story. And that's how it happened. You know, it happened. I reached out to you. I made a couple of introductions. I, you know, back and forth and back and forth. I've sent your book to people, blah, 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 blah. And, you know, when things have happened in your life that I knew about, like it was important to me. And so building that is certainly kind of the, I guess the homework behind networking, even though I don't want to call it homework, it's the fuel.
2: I want, And I think you're hitting on a really good point here, which we haven't tapped into yet. Networking is not about business. It's about getting to know somebody holistically. It's getting to know every single part of them. It's their history. It's do they have a dog? It's when is their birthday? What is important to them? What have their struggles been? It is not about the transaction. It's not about only finding out about what that other person does for business and how you can help them. It's finding out who that person is as a person and how you can be a good person in their
1: life. Exactly. And there's two things that I want to touch on because you have a methodology for figuring this out that I would love you to talk about. And in concert with that, I don't want to miss the point about how you're going to teach people or how you do teach people to remember names. Yes. Yeah. So <laughs> first things first, Let's pretend I got nothing, right? I come to you and I'm like, Julie Brown, like I just landed on this earth, you know, 39 years old. I need to build a network. How do I do this? Give us the Julie Brown methodology because I've done this and it works.
2: Yeah. This shit worked. Yeah, I always say I didn't write a book called This Shit Doesn't Work, but I should write a book about called This Shit Doesn't Work about the stuff you shouldn't do. So the truth is, nobody lands on this earth at thirty (laughs) nine years old. Everybody has a network. So the first thing you have to realize is no matter where you are in your life, in your career, you already have a network. You're just not looking at networking the right way. So you have to think about your network as everybody you know. It's not just work people you know or, you know, career people you know. It's everybody you know. So think about your family and your friends and your friends of family. Now, depending on how old you are. Oh, so I call, you know, I'm very into lists. You're making a list while you're doing this. You're making a list of your family, your friends, your friends of family. If you're in college, you make a list of your professors, all of the companies you might have interned in, all of the summer jobs you ever worked, like who you worked with. That is your network. That's the network. And then the thing about it, and as you obviously get older, your network grows, you know more people. But think about it as, okay, so now I even, we're like Jules, I don't know that many people. I have 15 people on my list. Well, there's this thing called the sphere of influence, which is just saying that every single person you know, knows about 250 people in which, this is very important, in which their opinion carries weight. So even if you only had 10 or 15 people on your list, every single one of those people has about 250 people where they know that their opinion carries weight. So you, what you do is you go to those people and say, I'm trying to strategically grow my network. Is there somebody in your network that would be a good connection for me and that I would be a good connection for them? And you grow it very strategically through strategic introductions. There's this thing in social network theory called triadic closure. Triadic closure simply means if you are introduced to somebody you don't know, by somebody you know, the rate with which your relationship grows is accelerated because you share a mutual friend. So that is the quickest way to strategically grow your network. The other way is to say, okay, what rooms should I be in? Now, these are networking rooms, so don't get scared of networking rooms. They're just human beings. And the purpose of networking events is to meet people you don't know. So take away the fear of talking to strangers because everybody's there to talk to a stranger. So think about what rooms should I be in? So for me, when I changed careers, I mean, pivoted, you know, added to my career, I suddenly needed to be in rooms of event planners, people who hired keynote speakers. So I said, okay, what organizations are available to me in which I can join those organizations and therefore be in the room with people who have the ability to hire me, that I should network with, that I should build relationships with, where I would be a good asset to their membership because they're learning something from me. So that is another part of it.
1: What room should you be in to network with people who are part of your industry? So I'm gonna uh, put a pause in this, right? Because rooms, in this case, are also virtual, right? So please don't find the reason to not do the thing. Find the reason to do the thing. So if you're thinking to yourself, "Oh, I can't do that because I can't go to you know a physical location, you know, seven thousand miles away," get over it. So yep, go to a virtual networking event and find your like-minded people call them the tribe, call them whatever you want. But those are the people that you want to be, I'm going to use this term because it's very powerful in the world of referrals and hiring, which is the birds of a feather, right? Birds of a feather who flock together are good indicators for hiring managers. Because if you're a rock star in the organization, and then you have referred somebody else by virtue of this triad that you talked about, right? Now you're indirectly saying to that person who will be hiring you, oh, you're likely to be a rock star like your friend who referred you. So go where, don't fight the crowd, go with the crowd.
2: I couldn't agree with you more on the virtual aspect too. I, even as a networking expert, this was a lesson I learned in during the pandemic. And I think we all, I mean, we changed. We had to. We fundamentally changed the way we build relationships during the pandemic. And I have, you and I have never met in person. I have people in my life that are as close to me as people I have networked with my entire career and I just met them during the pandemic and I've only met them virtually. So I say take advantage of, yes, virtual networking events. The point here is that you have to be strategic about these because you could spend a lot of time networking in rooms in which you may meet great people, but you are not being strategic about what rooms
1: to be in. So be very strategic about. And I am so glad that you mentioned that because I get also, I hear this all the time, I've done all the things, you know, I mean, I, I've been networking like crazy. And then I'll ask, well, like, what's coming out of these networking conversations? And then they'll say, well, you know, they really don't go anywhere. That's not networking. That's a drive-by. That's meeting and greeting, right? And so when you talk about strategic, not only are you talking about the rooms, but now I want you to talk about strategic as it goes back to your list and the selection of the people who are in the room. Because
2: there's a lot of people there, right? And I don't want this conversation to seem like we're saying there are right and wrong people. There's no right, wrong people. All people are correct. Exactly. But there are very strategic ways of networking, and that would be know exactly who you want to be introduced to. Don't make it a guessing game. Don't, you know, know when you think about your career path and you think about how am I going to network my way into this company or how am I going to network my way onto this board? or into this sphere of influence. Be very strategic about it. People think that networking is this amorphous thing that just sort of happens and there's no structure around it. There is an exoskeleton and an skeleton to networking. There is a framework with which to do it. There are bones of networking that you should follow. You should not think about it as, I'm just going to go here or here and see what sticks. There is no other activity in your career that you would do without a strategic plan. But people network without a strategic plan all of the time because they don't think about it as a strategic thing. So be very strategic. What companies do I want to network my way into? What rooms do I want to network my way into? What organizations do I want to network my way into? What people do I want to network with? And who are the people who can connect me to those people? So be very strategic about your network. So you don't, like Lauren, like you just said, have conversations where You're like, I'm networking all the time and I'm not, it's not going anywhere because you're not
1: being strategic. You're not thinking about networking in a strategic way. And I also want to layer this on top of this because you and I agree on this as well, but you call it out even more than I do, which is the follow-up, right? So, okay, now you've done the thing, you go to the room, you meet the right people and 99% of the people that I speak with in the career area was, will say, well, I'm just waiting for them to make that introduction. I'm like, good luck. So
2: uh, Keith Ferrazzi, who is one of my favorite people, he wrote a book 25 years ago called um, Never Eat Alone, which was the book, listeners, which was the book that literally, and I was 28, 27 when I read that book, I think. That was the book that changed my mind about I think that was the book that put me on the right path to becoming the best business, de- one of the best business developers in Boston, was because I looked at relationship building differently after I read that. But he, Ferrazzi, also has a line that isn't in that book. It was in a later speech he did that said, 80% of building and maintaining relationships is just following up. So 80% of building and maintaining relationships is just following up. And I have an add-on to that. And people suck at it because they think it's the other person's job. So if you go into a room and you meet somebody and you exchange the email addresses or you connect on LinkedIn, I always say it's your job within the first 24 hours to reach out and start nurturing that relationship. And by nurturing, I mean, reach out and tell them why you are so glad you met them. Bring up what you talked about. Have an action step. When can we talk again? I'd love to learn more about your company or what you're doing or whatever. Start moving that relationship forward. If you take building relationships and following up as a part of your strategy, where I'm going to take this on, I'm no longer going to wait for people to reach out to me, you will blow away your competition. Because, like you said, people are waiting. It, I think it's this like human nature fear of rejection that we're just going to wait for the other person. And then so it's like, it's just a stalemate. That person's waiting and you're waiting and nothing gets done and no one gets connected. So if you take it on and say, this is my role, I'm going to become the king or queen or non-binary of
1: following up, you will crush your competition. Mm-hmm. Yes. I'm not only a big believer in that, but I'm curious from your standpoint, what, how much follow-up do you do, right? Because I go through this a lot of times with clients, right? They're like, well, you know, I reached out a couple times and I know there's a metric out there. I think it's something like 11 touch points. It's actually up to 17 now. 17, 17 people. Okay. So yeah, it's a long tail process. But while you're doing that, you're building something that has a much longer shelf life. And this is part of the reason, especially at the more senior level, that when you had said earlier that this is a differentiator, what you're also indirectly saying is, I built this, I nurtured this, I cultivated this group of people. So guess what? You're not just hiring me. Yep, You're hiring all this other influence that comes around, that comes with me.
2: You know, it's so funny you say that, or it's excellent, not funny that you say that, because I'm a solopreneur, just like you, and I get hired by major corporations to help them figure out how they're going to build relationships. And I always say that they're hiring Julie Brown because she's really good at relationships. They're hiring Julie Brown because she knows so many people that I can call and say, hey, what do you know about this? What do you know about that? And nobody ever doesn't answer my phone call. That's another thing. Like, you got to build the relationships where, when you call somebody, they don't look at your number and go, "Oh shit!" Like you want that. Like, and I love it when I call somebody out of the blue and they're like, "Oh my god, Julie, I haven't heard your voice in so long!" Like that. Those are the relationships you're trying to build. So when people hire me, yes, they're hiring me for strategy. They're hiring me for the 25 years I've spent in the industry, but they're also hiring me because they know when they hire me, they tap into my network. That's
1: right. That's right. And that goes for everyone. Who is in their transition on the market? And let's just call this out too. And when you get into your next role, because that's usually where people are like, you know what? I did my networking. I paid my dues. I'm done. Oh,
2: can I just? Oh my god! I think this is so serendipitous. I just wrote a podcast um, episode based on this, a brand new study in the Harvard Business Review, where they said that. New hires coming into organizations, and/or people within organizations that are promoted into new parts of the company. The single biggest factor for success in a new role is your ability to create internal networks. And, and in a went on to say that only twenty percent of companies in their on onboarding process, only twenty percent of companies in their onboarding process of new employees and/or people promoted have. A structure in place as part of their onboarding process to create internal networking situations for the new people.
1: Crazy, crazy. So this is also, as you can tell, is just grinding my gears because what's happening is people are always looking for the solution outside of where the solution is. So it's like sitting right there, the people that are right there, the people that you are interfacing with every single day, the people that you're going to bump into on Zoom or meet, you know, Starbucks. So. Before we let you go back to your keynote life, I wanted to ask you this question because I don't have this problem and I know a lot of people do and I wanna make sure that you provide your kind of Julie Brown special, you know, Koshin dotion on top of this. How do we remember names? How do we go to an event with X number of people or sit on one of these Zoom calls and be able to recall it and then use it in a very scalable way.
2: Okay, so there's two. First off, Dale Carnegie said in his famous book, a person's name is to that person the sweetest, most important sound in any language. And also, remembering names and knowing how to pronounce names is a sign of respect. hmm And so there's a couple of different ways. There's in-person, and then there's it's easier on Zoom. Number one, because people normally have their name in their Zoom box. But I even do this like, so say I call American Express because I have got a problem. Something's on my card with American Express. The first thing an American Express person says is, hi, this is Sharon with American Express. Who am I talking to? I write it down in my notebook, Sharon, because I know I will get more out of Sharon if I call her by name multiple times
1: in that phone. 100%.
2: And I do it in chat. So there's a lot of chats too. This is so-and-so with Amazon. And I I'll say, Good morning, you know, Shakita, whoever it is. I'm so glad you're my person. I use their name because it's a sign of respect. It immediately endears me to them. So that's just like, you know, if you're late on your your, your Amex bill and you're like, Can you please take off this late fee? Like, call them by their name, they will do. It.
1: Oh yeah. No, this really works. We just had this happen in the airport with a screw up on our on our tickets. And we use that agent's name. Yep. I mean, many, many times. And it worked like a charm.
2: Yep. So remembering names in person four ways. First thing is listen to the other person's name. So many people are so like jazzed and ready and jacked to say their own name that they don't even listen to the other person's name. And this scenario happens a lot. They say their name, you say your name, and then your brain goes, shit, I didn't listen to their name. So the first thing to do is listen to their name. The second thing, and this hammers in the sign of respect, repeat their name before you say your own. And you're doing this for a couple of reasons. One, it's showing respect you got their name right. Like, for example, my name is Julie, and people call me Julia all the time, and I hate it. I don't know why I have a visceral reaction to changing just the last letter of my name, but I do. And so when people... Take the time to make sure they. I said Julie and not Julia. It makes I feel special. So that's another thing. Repeat their name. So the third thing I do is I make a name association. And so depending on the age of your listeners, if they grew up with MTV like I did, or my name is Julie Brown. So most people actually remember the moniker, Downtown Julie Brown. It might suck for me, but guess what? It works. No one forgets my name. So I think about, is there anybody in my life that I know who has the same name as them? Can I make a name association? This happened to me recently at a restaurant that I knew I was going to be going back to because it was a new one that just opened up by our vacation house. And the bartender's name was Jordan. And there is a wine called Jordan Wines. And so I was like, oh, oh, like the wine. And I will never forget. He's a bartender. He serves wine. Jordan Wine. I'll never forget Jordan. You know, it was like... Some of your listeners are like, I don't have time for that shit. Your brain moves so fast when you learn how to do these things. You have it on your LinkedIn where your last name um, rhymes with life. And so I would never not know how to pronounce your last name. And so that's three. And then the other one is, again, sign of respect. Use their name in the course of the conversation. And I would do this. I would say, oh, Jim, that's so funny. I didn't, rec- I didn't know that. Or that's a great story, Jim, or like whatever. You know, use it in the course of the conversation. I'm not saying you're going to remember 100% of the names, but I am saying you are going to remember 85 to 90% of the names and you will blow people away.
1: Yes. This is like a really 101 yeah. networking tip that I have to tell you most people still don't do. And that's one of the reasons why I wanted to do it, because even though this is old school, I want to zoom past this whole like trying to avoid the name and using it in a much more deliberate way. Also, for God help you, please use the voice pronunciation feature on LinkedIn. And if you don't know how to use it, I'll make sure that it's in the show notes, because this is like really important, especially when you are networking and going to interviews and you do not see a familiar name you have got to get that down. And I mean, I had to do a vo- voice pronunciation on Google the other day for somebody that I was meeting who was a prospect who didn't have it at all. And I was like, I am not getting on this call until I know how to say this person's name. And that was the first thing she said when I said her name out loud to said, thank you for pronouncing it correctly. Immediate respect. Right. Immediate trust. Exactly. Exactly. Thank you for doing that.
2: And you know what? This is not part of names, but it is part of introducing yourself to people. I want people to understand that sometimes people get nervous. Like, I have a lot of coffee meetings with people I've never met before. And so I ask the person for their cell phone number just in case anything is like, can I have your cell phone number just in case any I'm running late or whatever? I do this so that I can text them that morning and say, I know it's ho- my, the coffee shop might be busy, might be crowded. This is what I'm wearing. Mm-hmm. Because I'm a, I watch coffee shops and networking events. And I cannot tell you how many times I've seen people walk into a coffee shop and, are, are you so-and-so? Are you so-and-so? Are you so-and-so? That is so anxiety-inducing. So if you can take that away from somebody. So I ask, can I have your cell phone number just in case I'm running late, but I'm not ever going to be running late. It's not part of my, the way I operate. I'm always early. But I always say, oh, hey, you know, just so you can find me, I'm wearing jeans and a black lace shirt and and boots. And they walk right up to me. It immediately changes the energy and the anxiety around meeting somebody you don't know.
1: Mm. All of this, every single thing. I still want to just like jump over there and have coffee with you. So here are your signature questions. I'm so excited. and I can't wait to hear what they are. Okay, so... Every episode I listen to, Julie, you're always referencing some other form of research. But what I want to know is, what's your favorite business book and what book must people read to zoom past stinky networking advice?
2: Besides my own, I suppose, right? Yeah. I, you can say your own. That's, I mean, that's, I, wrote, I wrote a book called This Shit Works Networking Your Way to More Friends, More Adventures, and More Success, which I do think is a tremendous resource. It is, for sure. But and I, I have I, it. Yeah, I'm going to go back to never eat alone, because I think it's ageless. I think it's ageless. And it did instill in me the idea that there is a lot of wasted opportunities. So if you're eating lunch by yourself, and you're having coffee by yourself, these are wasted opportunities that you could be spending with people. And I was lucky enough to see Keith Ferrazzi speak in person a couple of times. And in his book, he talks about these dinner parties that he would host and networking dinner parties. And I did that when my husband started his own business. Every Friday night, I invited six people over for dinner. And it was different six people every Friday night. And I cooked every Friday night. And I think those dinners, number one, they solidified relationships. They built relationships. And they we partner, my husband partners with a lot of those people that came over because they were landscape architects and they were whatever. It was pivotably important in me starting helping him start his business. Mm,
1: I love that. So the next question is about the post-it reminder that you want people to write out from you about the value of networking, and I kind of want to cheat a little bit and use your favorite line about the value of networking, but you can also... No, understand.
2: you go ahead first, all, and I'll be like, yes, cheerio, that's what I'd say.
1: <laughs> no, I want you to share. It's so near and dear to you because you believe... The people you meet will change your life,
2: and networking is how you meet those people. Exactly. hmm
1: And I get the goose pimples because that's happened to me so many times. And I know it's happened to so many of that's what's happened to you. And, you know, it's almost like you can't believe it until you go through it.
2: Yeah. And piggybacking on your first question and then this quote, and I can't remember who said it, so I can't attribute it to the person because I can't remember. But I heard a a statement once that said, in five years, you will be the same person you are today, except for the books you read and the people you meet.
1: Mm. That, ooh, I really, really like that. And then Julie Brown, what's your walk-up song?
2: Oh, it's always Raise Your Glass by Pink, always. Everything wrong in all the right ways or right in
1: all the wrong ways. And that is always my walk-up song, always. Awesome, I can totally see that. I can totally see that, that it, it, it just like literally. I'm surprised because I love your new website by the way. Oh my gosh, it looks so, so, so good. So tell us where we can find you. Also, um, the, all of this will be in the show notes, links to your book and everything else. But where do you want people to come?
2: Well, I think the easiest way to interact with me is LinkedIn. So I'm Julie Brown BD on LinkedIn. Um, the caveat on that is I'll connect with anybody who reaches out to me so long as they write me a note to tell me how they found me, You know what our triadic closure is. Obviously, it would be Lauren. That's where I spend most of my time disseminating information is on LinkedIn. So. And I would say also my newsletter is kind of ass. So, Oh, I my-
1: kind of? Yes. <laughs> your newsletter is great. I actually liked uh, my
2: website. Yeah, I would go to my website, which is juliebrownbd.com, scroll up all the way down to the bottom and and put in your name and email to get on my email list because
1: I crack myself up with these newsletters every week. <laughs> they are. They're so good. And just in case, where should people find you on Peloton?
2: I am Mrs. Julie Brown. <laughs> yes. On Peloton.
1: Yeah, I am Mrs. Julie Brown on Peloton. Yep. All right. I know you got yours in today. I, I, I've been like struggling with the stomach flu, so I'm just like nursing the water. Thank you from the bottom of my heart. Thank you for everything. Everybody who has been here today, thank you for listening and stay tuned for another episode next week of Blast and a Half. And of course, we would love it if you would provide us with a rating and a review because your listening ears makes all the difference for somebody else. Thank you so much and have a great rest of
0: your day. Thank you for joining today. We appreciate your listening ears, big time. We ask this, use these tools, not tomorrow, right now, and share them by spreading the love, leaving us a rating and subscribe so you don't miss the next career blast in a half. Most of all, thank you for you.